Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Alex Housen, and this is Right Medicine, a weekly podcast that explores best practices in creating content that connects with and educates health professionals. I'm a former nurse and an academic who spent the last 16 years as an independent medical writer and researcher, creating and evaluating education content for health professionals. If your work involves planning, designing, delivering or evaluating education for health professionals, this podcast is for you. Celebrating its 10th year as the premier online event for CME professionals, CME Palooza will be back in 2023 with its spring and fall events. So mark your calendars for Wednesday, April 12th and Wednesday, October 18th. CME Palooza. It's free, it's fun, and it's just plain fantastic. My guest on episode 36 is Crystal Heron, PhD. The founder of Redwood Inc., Crystal's an educator, an editor, and a coach who helps scientists and clinicians communicate about their work with clear, concise, and compelling writing. We're talking about how to cultivate a communication skills mindset and how to build relationships with authors, writers, editors, and others involved in the medical writing process through supportive, mindful collaboration. Crystal emphasizes that when writers go beyond the interests and the knowledge base of their audience to understand how their audience feels, they can form stronger connections with their readers. Join us. Hello and welcome. This is Write Medicine and I'm Alex Housen. I'm here today with Crystal Heron, who's an editor, educator and coach who helps scientists and clinicians communicate with clear, concise and compelling writing. Welcome, Crystal. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. It's good to see you. And we're on the same time zone, which is always uh, good here in the Pacific Coast. Please start our conversation by telling listeners who you are and the kind of work that you do. Thank you for the, the quick overview introduction. To get a little bit more granular, I edit scientific and medical manuscripts and grant proposals and also coach clients on writing and the writing process. And I also lead uh, webinars, workshops, and courses to empower researchers with the principles, resources, and systems to write clearly and efficiently. So you're very invested in clarity and concision. You have a PhD and uh, an ELS certification. Can you talk a little bit about how you ended up doing the work that you do? Yes. So like many medical writers and editors, it's a bit of a jungle gym process. You know, we all have unique ways in how we get into this field. For me, so I went to graduate school in biomedical science. So I have a PhD in biomedical science. And was, you know, working in a lab and loved the science, but didn't want to work at the bench anymore. And so I actually moved into clinical research for a couple of years, which was really great because I worked in a number of different roles that touched everything from working with sponsors to helping to design clinical studies to enrolling patients. So I really got to see the full scope of the process. And at that same time, I was also mentoring clinicians on how to design a study, how to write up a study, how to apply to the IRB. So I was doing a lot more writing than I anticipated. And so what ended up happening is people just started 
coming to me to write and edit things. It caught me a little bit off guard. I was like, oh, I hadn't thought about this as an option, especially for many people who have PhDs where during their training, it's very focused on the main goal. You know, you're going to do a postdoc. You're going to start your own lab. Like it's a very one track mindset. And so it can be challenging to even discover what other options are. So that's when I started you know, considering other career options and looking into, you know, becoming a writer or an editor. And so I got a job as a scientific editor at uh, an institution in the Bay Area, and I've been doing it for 10 years now, more than 10 years now. Yeah. And so do you see yourself more as a writer or as an editor? I see myself more as, I'm going to say an editor and a creator. So I say that because I when I work with clients, I'm editing their drafts. I'm not writing things from scratch, but I also enjoy creating. So whether that's one aspect of that is writing. So I like to write blog articles to help others learn how they can write better. And I also like to create courses and presentations to also help people be able to learn learn more about how they can write better, whether that's their writing itself or the process. And we'll make sure to um, put a link in the show notes to your newsletter because it's full of good advice for people who who write. And I think one of the things that strikes me about the way that you actually present a lot of the content in that you share in your newsletter and other places like LinkedIn is how gentle and supportive your own voice is in presenting that information for people. And I think that's really important when you're writing, because it's so easy to get caught up in your own ego and to feel bruised when, you know, somebody tells you that you're, you're not writing in a way that they want you to write. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, oh, so go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I was just going to say that I think that that is a skill that is really valuable as, as an editor. I mean, certainly as a writer as well, but as an editor, I'm working with people, they pour their heart and soul into their work. They spend years collecting data and writing up, you know, papers and proposals. And then they're sending it off to someone to basically go in there with a red pen and go to town. And so sometimes when they get it back, it, they just see a blizzard of changes. And it can be a little bit disheartening because, you know, you think, oh, I didn't write well or whatever emotions may come up from that. And so I've had to, I wouldn't say I've had to, I've put a lot of, of emphasis in making sure that they understand that the writing is just, I'm just helping them to improve it a little bit. Like it's not bad. It's just a bunch of little changes that look like more than it really is. But so my, my approach to editing is to be as gentle and informative as I can. And I think that that, that's really important. Also, you know, in in making sure that they're comfortable, but also in maintaining that relationship. And so that brings us to, I think, you know, two things. The question of how significant communication is in the medical writer and editor's role and the importance of building relationships with clients and stakeholders that you're working with. Medical writers are generally and certainly view themselves as communicators, but they don't necessarily prioritize verbal communication or think about a process for communicating with clients and stakeholders. 
Why is it important for medical writers to think about communication and relationship building in the work that they do? Yeah, I think this applies to, I want to make sure to speak to both medical writers for an organization and medical writers who are freelancers, because the dynamics are a little bit different. Mm, That's a great point. Yeah. But in both cases, you're, you're working with people. And sometimes, you know, many, many of us writers, we work in isolation. And so we're very focused on writing and writing skills, but the interactions we have with others are what take that writing to the next level. But also as, as a writer, especially as a freelancer, you're a service. And so part of that, that service is customer service or the relationships that you have with your, with your clients or with your colleagues, if you're working for an organization. And so being able to, I don't want to say manage those relationships to, to build and foster those relationships. It's a really valuable part of having a cohesive team of, you know, longevity with clients and kind of at a, at a basic level, a positive experience in what you do every day. Do you see kind of common challenges that writers and editors have in, well, let's take communication uh, first in, in communicating with clients if we're, if we're thinking about freelance writers? In a lot of ways, I feel like I can only speak for myself. I mean, we tend to be pretty good with words. <laughs> I think that at least in the sciences and often in medicine, I'm going to generalize a little bit because if you're working on you know, documents for patients, you're going to have a different perspective than if you're working on regulatory documents. But our writing tends to be very factual. And so there isn't a lot of thought to the emotion behind that writing. And when we're interacting with people, that's a really important component to think about in your communications with them. And so the the other piece too is recognizing the dynamic that when you're writing, you are you're not with the person who's reading it. You can't see their facial expressions and their reactions to be able to clarify something or elaborate on something. But that's something that you can get in person. And so recognizing that difference can also be really valuable. Can you talk a little bit more about the emotions behind the writing? What do you mean by that? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the, I guess the mantra we often hear as writers is, you know, who's your audience and to know your audience. But part of knowing your audience is not just the knowledge base that they have or what they're interested in, but how, how they feel. And there's, I'm going to misquote it, but there's the, the quote that people don't always remember you, but they remember how you made them feel. And, and I think that that also applies to writing. Maya Angelou. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, I should have known that. <laughs> thank you. But I think that's such an important part of our writing. So, you know, for example, if you're writing something for a patient, you would, you know, maybe it's on a condition they've just been diagnosed with. And so you want to make sure that you take a gentle approach and that you're mindful that they might be feeling stressed or sad or frustrated and making sure that what you're writing can get across to them when they're in that emotional state. But as far as, you know, for looking at relationships with clients and colleagues, it's being mindful of how they're feeling when you're sharing information with them 
and also how you're feeling because both feelings and the thoughts that each of you are having are really your mindset affect that interaction. If you're a writer who is, you know, your experience of writing has very much been focused on a fact-based approach. How do you start to develop those skills to think a little bit more about the reception of what you're writing and how the audience might be feeling about what you're presenting to them? Yeah. I mean, there's several approaches you can take. I I had two thoughts at once and wanted to share them both at the same time. So for for me, at least, it's been about interacting with that audience and trying to learn as much as I can. So for example, when I was working in clinical research, I was starting to work on some discharge instructions for patients. And so I needed to translate clinician language to lay language. And I, you know, my first few attempts, I thought I did such a great job. And then I I went and met with someone who taught English as a second language. And I learned a lot more about Oh, someone whose native language is not English, they're going to interpret this word in a different way than I thought. And I, in a way, I took that word for granted because I was so used to using it. I call this the curse of knowledge. So when I have the assumption that others know what I know, I just, like, I've forgotten what it's like to not know it. And so moments like that were a really good reminder. And so I've, I had a similar experience. You know, in, in one job I was in, I sat in on an English as a second language course and learned about some of the challenges that people face learning the English language and the idioms that we use and all these different pieces. And it just was this huge reminder of that it's so important to know who your audience is and what their experience is, what their knowledge is, what they are feeling in order to write for a way that write in a way that connects with them. And so you know, if I had to give advice, it would be to do more than read books about it. I mean, that's really valuable, but also to work with people who are in that audience. You know, if you're writing a document for them, ask them to read it and let you know what they don't understand so that you can get that insight. And over time, you know, you'll, you'll get a stronger knowledge base of how, how you should write in a way that connects with them. That's great advice. I mean, I, I, work in the continuing medical education, continuing education field. And sometimes, you know, I think there's a tendency for writers to either do a data dump or to use complex clinical terms, because often those are the terms that are used. But when you're trying to kind of write content that health professionals need to learn quickly and on the move, it sounds as though you know, some medical writers need to do a lot more work to really appreciate how the health professional is going to react to and and use in practice the information that you're kind of writing. And that all speaks to using simpler terms, not necessarily using fancy words, which is good advice for us all. This episode of Write Medicine is brought to you by Write CME Pro, a membership-driven community that provides skills and scaffolding for medical writers who want to create CME content with confidence. Write CME Pro gives you access to expert perspectives to help you build your CME writing skills, a portfolio accelerator to hold space so that you can create stunning samples to show your prospects, 
group coaching to help you build foundational and expert knowledge in CME and more. Write CME Pro is a community for people like you who are ready to grow their CME writing niche or niche, if that's how you say it. Doors open January. Is there a particular mindset that can help medical writers approach skill building and communication and building relationships with clients? I mean, obviously spending time with your audience is part of that mindset, but are there other things that writers need to be thinking about or cultivating in themselves to be open to enhancing their communication skills? Yeah, I think when I think about mindset, I tend to think of it in two aspects. One is self-awareness or your own mindset and what might be affecting that and also the other person's mindset and what might be affecting that. And so I think it's kind of rooted in, I would say, self-awareness and self-regulation to kind of know how those pieces influence, you know, your, your thoughts, your behaviors, your, your actions and to consider those in, in others and to be empathetic of those in others. As far as, you know, skills around mindset, I think, I mean, the first one that comes to mind and it can be hard for a lot of people today where we're in a very fast paced world, but to try to just slow down so that you give yourself time to take in this information, you know, to listen carefully, to get really curious about how the other person is feeling or what they did. And so kind of slowing down time, giving your brain time to process these different pieces and recognize, you know, the thoughts that you're having, the feelings that you're having is really important. And it can be really hard to do, you know, like I mentioned, we're in such a fast paced world, but I think that that can have a huge impact on, on how we deal with many things in our lives. I know, absolutely. Self-awareness and self-regulation. Can we talk about that a little bit? What kind of tools or practices do you recommend for writers to draw on in order to cultivate self-awareness and self-regulation? Because it's easy, especially if you're, if you do work, if you're working freelance and you do work in relative isolation in terms of you're in your own space for, for most of the day. You may or may not be interacting on a daily basis with clients or other stakeholders. It's kind of easy in that scenario to let self-awareness and self-regulation slide. What do you sort of recommend there for writers as a way to develop that self-awareness and self-regulation piece? Yeah, there's, I mean, one I mentioned, which is to slow down a little bit. Another is meditation that can help you to, you know, recognize your thoughts as thoughts and kind of slow things down a little bit. One thing that, that I do that I found really helpful is journaling. So I do something called morning pages every day. So first thing when I wake up in the morning, I write, you know, two to three pages in a journal, whatever is on my mind. And sometimes, you know, it's reflecting on the previous day and what happened or Sometimes it's brainstorming something, just whatever happens to be on my mind goes on the page. And so little tidbits have come out of that. But what I've also found to be really valuable is I also do the five-minute journal. 
And so in this journal, you uh, start your day with, because uh, there's two pieces to it, five minutes in the morning, five minutes in the evening. And you start your day with what are three things you're grateful for? What are three things you look forward to that day? And, you know, an affirmation for yourself for the day. But the part that I think can be really helpful as far as the self-awareness and self-regulation is the piece that you do at the end of the day, which is where you write down three things that you're grateful for that day, and then something you learned. And that is the piece where, you know, I'll look back on a meeting that I had with someone and think, ah, you know, I could have said, you know, could have said this instead. It would have been a little bit, a little bit kinder, a little bit more gentle so that I learn for next time. And so this practice, five minutes at the beginning of my day, five minutes at the end of my day has been really huge in helping me make incremental changes along the way. I love that meditation and journaling. I I, I practice, but I I haven't actually tried the five minute journal. I'm going to. I'm going to add that to my morning and, and evening routines. And I think you're right that that feedback loop, that closing the loop between what has happened and what you've learned is so critical to, you know, to personal growth and to developing your communication skills. Are there other resources that you recommend for people when they're, for instance, if they come to you, you know, looking for a sort of advice and recommendations for developing their communication skills with clients? Yeah. For me, I I love to read. I have probably a stack of books that I could recommend. (laughs) As far, I'm trying to think of the... And please do recommend them. We'll definitely put them in the show notes. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll list off kind of my favorites. And then of course, I'll have another recommendation after that. I would say some of the biggest ones are Emotional Intelligence by Daniel Goldman. That one is uh, really helpful in being mindful of your emotions and others' emotions. Nonviolent Communication. Who's the author of that one? Rosenberg, I think. Oh, okay. I was just, because Orange, oh, I can't remember his second name now. There's a couple with that title, actually. Oh, um, this one is, what is the subtitle? Maybe I can see it from here. It's nonviolent communication, a language of life. So maybe that, that subtitle will distinguish it from other ones. I can also send you the, the author so that you have it for the show notes. <laughs> Another one that I really like is the 15 commitments of conscious leadership by Jim Dethmer. I think he's also co-authored with, um, Diana Chapman on that one. That's also a really great book. We talked about mindset. The book mindset by Carol Dweck is excellent. Mm-hmm. That was a really good one. Oh, the five love languages of appreciation in the workplace. It's a spin on the classic five love languages for romantic relationships, but it gives you a framing in the workplace, especially for some aspects that might be more appropriate in the workplace and in your personal relationships. So that can be really insightful to help you with with building your relationships. And then two other recommendations would be difficult conversations. So we've talked about, you know, building relationships and and the things you can do to make it better, but challenges do arise. And so that book has been really helpful, at least for me, in creating strategies to be able to manage those when they do happen. And the last book that I'll recommend, I'm not finished with it yet, but it's um, (laughs) Atlas of the Heart has been amazing. Yes. And we've actually exchanged some messages on, on that book. It's really helped me see nuances in emotions, but also 
you know, we were talking before about the emotions of readers and connecting with them. And I've actually pulled a lot of insights from that book in regards to that. That was a lot of book recommendations. <laughs> That's a lot of book recommendations. Yeah. And I love it. There's so much good stuff there. You know, we didn't talk about this beforehand, but one of the things that I hear from students a lot who take the writing ethics course at the University of Chicago is the challenge of receiving critical information. So, you know, you talked earlier in our conversation today about, you know, trying to cultivate, you know, as an editor, trying to kind of cultivate a gentle approach to the information that you share with your clients when you're trying to help them make their writing stronger and better. But on the other side of that, the reception side of that, it's often really hard to hear feedback and or criticism of your writing. Now, sometimes that criticism isn't actually framed in a gentle way. It can be pretty brutal. What kind of advice or insights can you share with listeners about how to handle communication about your work that feels a little harsh? Yeah. So there are a couple of things that I do. One is, let's say I'm returning a project to someone. I use the sandwich structure. So I start with a thank you and something positive, you know, and it may not be the case that what I'm editing has been well written. So, you know, in some cases, you know, you wouldn't necessarily say like, this was just fantastically written, but it might be something as simple as this was really interesting to read. This is such an important topic, something positive. And then you can get into some of those details. And I'll talk about some of my strategies around that in a moment, but you can, you know, I'll list off some of the things that, you know, could be improved. And I usually say to people that what I do as an editor is that these are editing suggestions. These are not things that you have to do. They are things for you to consider whether you, whether you want to keep them or not. And so that's a way to kind of soften it a little bit as well. And then I'll also say to them, when you review what I do, look at it in simple markup mode so that you don't see all of the red colors. So it's not as, you know, disheartening. But then, mm -hmm. so back to the sandwich structure, I then end with something positive. You know, thank you for the opportunity to edit this. It's a great start, whatever it might be. And so even though you're delivering what could be, well, bad news or disheartening, you know, you're sandwiching it with some positive. And so that can help to relieve some of that. And the other thing that I do is I use templated statements. So whether you're using auto text or text expander, some type of software. And so over time, I have built it out to where, you know, I have shortcuts for comments for people. So let's say I'm editing something and, you know, a sentence isn't clear. And so I have crafted a comment that gently says, you know, ah, this is a little bit unclear. Do you mean this? Do you mean this? rather than I have no idea what you mean, right? So you you make it you make it a little softer. And so and I've done the same thing with emails too. So I just go in and I refine them and and if at some point down the road I use the comment I'm like, you know, that could be a little bit softer still, then I'll take that extra second and I'll revise that so that it's ready to go for next time. And so that's really helpful also for me because I'm human, I have tough days too or you know, I'm rushing through a project and maybe I'm concerned that I don't have as much time to be mindful in how I respond. I already have them pre-crafted, so I don't have to worry about that as much. Those are two things that I found helpful. 
Oh, I love that. I was not aware of the, I think you mentioned two pieces of, pieces of software that you use as an editor that helps kind of manage and store responses. So I'll need to make sure to put those in the show notes as well. Yeah. I've never come across that. I'm not an editor, so. <laughs> well, Autotext is built into Word. Oh, right. And, okay. you know, it's also helpful, I found, for words that you're typing out all the time. And so you can create shortcuts for yourself. So let's say you're writing National Institutes of Health and you're using that all the time. So you can just create a shortcut for yourself that's, you know, I like to start with a semicolon and then NIH, and then it will just expand it for you. So it saves you a little time. And that's also really great. Let's say you work with a chemical that has 14 syllables or, you know, different things in it with symbols and things. You can create a shortcut for yourself. So it will just automatically fill it in. I did not that's know that. That's a built into Word. Yeah. That's good to know. Yeah. Are there any other things that we haven't really kind of touched on that you find are important to the work that you do with your students and clients in terms of your communicative approach or the things that you're trying to cultivate in them as they kind of go out into the world as writers and editors? Ooh, it's almost like if I have one, one big piece of advice. I mean, I think some of it we've we've already touched on in a lot of ways. And it's to, to be mindful, to be aware and to try to slow down. And, and I like to call it gathering data. And maybe that's a great way for, for other medical writers to think about it. If you're frustrated about something, let's say, to collect data, you know, why am I feeling this way? Did something happen this morning? You know, if you're frustrated with someone else, why is it that you're frustrated? So, and then to also, you know, in gathering data, gather data from someone else. What is their perspective? What is their experience? What is, you know, what, what value do they bring? And to consider all of those pieces before you make a business decision, before you create a plan for a new project, whatever it might be. And so, yeah, I guess if I have to break it down to one thing, it would, it would be that. <laughs> Great advice, Crystal Heron, writer, educator, editor, coach. Thank you so much for sharing all your insights with listeners of Write Medicine. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. I love to connect with listeners and hear from you what you're interested in learning more about on the podcast. If you like the podcast or a particular episode, please write a review on Apple Podcasts or leave a SpeakPipe voice message on the podcast page of my website. There's a link in the show notes to help you do either or both of these things. Go gently. Go gently.